Hey guys, welcome back to Bring Your Own Baggage. I'm your host, Justine, and I'm here to talk about mental health and body image on college campuses from the perspective of a college student. These struggles are much more prevalent than you'd expect, and I'm here to let you know that you're not alone. Hello everyone, welcome back to BYOB. Um, Before we start, I just wanted to put out a trigger warning. We're talking about anorexia today, so if you think this will be triggering to you, please do not continue listening. Just a little bit of background on anorexia. According to the Mayo Clinic, anorexia is an eating disorder characterized by an abnormally low body weight, an intense fear of gaining weight, and distorted perception of weight. People with anorexia place a high value on controlling their weight and shape using extreme efforts that tend to significantly interfere with their lives including starvation, restriction of caloric intake, excessively exercising, and the misuse of laxatives and vomiting. According to Johns Hopkins Medicine, anorexia is more common among females. It affects about 4% of females, and the average age of onset is 12 to 25 years. Some symptoms of anorexia include extremely restricted eating, under-attentive and excessive exercise, extreme thinness, a relentless pursuit of thinness and unwillingness to maintain a normal or healthy weight, intense fear of gaining weight, and a distorted body image, a self-esteem that is heavily influenced by perception of body weight and shape, or a denial of the seriousness of low body weight. Hi guys, so today I'm going to be introducing our guest Anna T. Um, Anna is a third year at UVA majoring in bio and minoring in entrepreneurship. She's also a university guide and a member of the chamber music group called Kinetic Sound. So Anna, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having (laughs) me on here. I'm super excited. Thanks for coming. We're excited to have you, or I'm excited to have you. I'm saying we like, (laughs) I'm like multiple hosts. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So we can just jump right into it. So um, as I mentioned before, we're going to be talking about anorexia and OCD today. So Anna, what is your experience with anorexia and how did struggling with anorexia impact your life? Yeah, so I can trace this all the way back to middle school. I remember starting in like seventh grade or so, I would track my calories literally every single day. And I can still remember my quote unquote magic number was 1200 calories. I was like, I was obsessed with it. It's all I talked about. Mm-hmm. What I thought about. I'd be like, this chicken is exactly four ounces. I know because I picked it apart myself. So it was like not 3.9, not 4.1, but 4.0. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like counting apple slices. And I used to joke that my party trick was being able to know how many calories were in any food ever. But sadly, it was just because I got so good at it after tracking my calories for four years straight that I could just, even if I'd never seen it before, I could get it almost spot on exactly how, what was in it. Um, but it wasn't just restricting calories that affected me throughout that time period. It caused so many other related problems too. And for me, like restricting my food intake was all about attaining what I thought was perfection or getting rid of certain imperfections. And so I also ended up dealing with a form of OCD called dermatillomania around the same time. And I think that there are as many, if not more, misconceptions surrounding OCD as there are around eating disorders. And it's also like really, really common. Um, This type of OCD is super common. There's just this huge stigma around it. And uh, I've never really heard anyone else talk about it, even though it's really common. Like my my mom had it. It's genetic. Um, So dermatillomania is where I compulsively pick at any imperfections on my skin that I can feel. And so whether that's scratching at myself, or pulling out my hair, um, or just like picking at blemishes, etc. Um, I think that these things really went hand in hand with the 
eating disorders because for me it was all about getting rid of unwanted things on my body like blemishes or perceived extra weight and I'll be talking about OCD hand in hand with eating disorders because again for me they just they came on at the same time for seemingly the same reasons and I can't mention one without mentioning the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah thank you so much for sharing that I feel like it's really hard to like kind of like go back to that place and like remember where you were in middle school and like even if like that continued to high school and stuff so I really appreciate that um so what did you struggle with on a day-to-day basis because of your anorexia and OCD it was a lot of cycles for me like binge days low calorie days just back and forth on that and just to give you an idea of what type of mental state I was in I was so excited when I first got my Invisalign in early high school because I thought it was going to help me eat less but then I would Mm -hmm. go into this sort of trance and as gross as this sounds I apologize in advance but I would literally Mm -hmm. eat handfuls of food really really quickly over my plastic retainers. I just like could not stop myself. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, I would have days where I just ate three ounces of chicken and a small apple and that was it. And then every night I'd spend so long in front of the mirror, just like hating what I was looking at, major body dysmorphia. And that's like a whole topic on its own, of course, body image and just um, like body dysmorphia. It's own whole thing. Um, And then when it came to my OCD, I remember one night I was getting ready to go to bed and I had to get up super, super early the next day. And I had this whole plan to get eight hours of sleep and crush my next day, get up super early. And uh, I was in the bathroom just getting ready. And I had no idea how I transitioned over from just like brushing my teeth. But suddenly it was two hours later and pretty much all of the skin that was visible in the mirror uh, that I could reach was red or bleeding or scratched up. And I remember just sitting there, it was like 1.30 in the morning, crying in the bathroom for another hour because I just I just couldn't get up and I was so disappointed in myself. And that's the same thing that happens with those binge days and those, those cycles where whenever those days would happen, I would just get into the state of not being able to like do anything about it or get up or like fix anything because I was just feeling so much guilt over what had just happened. And this has been happening since I was about 12. Like I'll just enter into this trance that I can't get out of, even though internally I'm basically yelling, screaming at myself to stop. And this also goes hand in hand with body dysmorphia and eating disorders for me, because it's that same logic in my mind telling me to stop, but I can't take myself to move and take action. Yeah, no, it's so important what you're talking about. And I like, again, really appreciate you like sharing your experience because I feel like a lot of people do have misconceptions about OCD and that's just like people like who have OCD are just like super clean and like super neat. And like, that is not true at all. Uh, and <laughs> don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah. Super dumb game that came out. And there was this dumb game that came out about cure your OCD. And it was like, arranging tiles into their proper orientation or like you'd have oh. 10 blue uh circles and then there was only run one red circle and you had to replace it out for a blue circle and it was like cure your ocd <laughs> it's so frustrating i don't even know where that came I know. from yeah that is frustrating and then also just like i remember in high school people would be like oh my gosh like i'm like so neat like i'm like so ocd blah blah blah, blah and stuff like that so i don't even want to get into that right now because I could just go on forever about just like how frustrating that is but it's like really important that we kind of like talk about like different like subgroups within OCD yeah and just like the lack of I mean I didn't even know what OCD was when I was 12 this was something that's very recent 
for me that um, mm-hmm. I came across. I had a really close friend of mine who has OCD and confided in me about it. And there are just so many different types. And I can get, I, again, I can go on and on about that stuff, but like, even I didn't know what it was. And um, I remember people saying stuff like that. I remember I probably said stuff like that because there was just so much, such little awareness about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This kind of builds off of that question, but just, do you think the media like does a good job of accurately portraying anorexia? I'm not sure if it's the media as much as society's reaction to that media. And and I could be wrong. It could just be the fact that I don't watch any movies on eating disorders since it is very much a trigger for me. And Mm -hmm. maybe there is incorrect portrayal about it everywhere. Um, But there's this whole thing where people feel this need to call out when people look anorexic online, not realizing how damaging that can be to hear. Like I follow Cassie Ho um, on Instagram and she's the one who runs like the Pilates page. Mm-hmm. Pilates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've, I've been following her for years, for years and years. And I see all of these comments of people telling her to eat more and how she needs help. And yes, while the message is not that being a certain size will make you happier, the message should also not be that just because someone is striving for a certain body that they are automatically unhealthy. And I just think mm-hmm. there needs to be more education surrounding triggers and things that are actually super counterproductive. Um, And it's also tough because you want to get that awareness out there, but it can also cause so much distress to see images and stories of eating disorders for people who do struggle with them. You bring up a really good point. And I feel like that those like kind of comments surrounds a lot of like the fitness, like Instagrammers and like YouTubers and stuff like that. I feel like social media really just does like affect like body image like so much and just like what like other people like have to say about you like when they don't know the entire story. And like just because someone's skinny doesn't mean that they're anorexic. And like just because someone prefers like to have like a leaner like body and stuff like doesn't mean they're anorexic. So yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> people. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> just like disappointment um (laughs) that's that's an appropriate response to so many people (laughs) what are some common misconceptions people have about anorexia and ocd yeah the biggest misconception that i see about anorexia and this kind of plays off what we were just talking about is that you have to look a certain way in order to be anorexic because this can impact people of all body types. And yeah, mm-hmm. traditionally, you would consider extreme weight loss to be the major just indicator of anorexia, but it can impact everyone. I mean, it can even impact athletes. It can impact men. Mm-hmm. It can impact literally everybody. And you can never mm-hmm. tell just by looking at someone where they're at or you know what they're struggling with. And that, of mm-hmm. course, relates to so many things, not just anorexia. But uh, I feel like that's the ones that I see the most often that people are just like, you need to you need to eat more or you need to eat less. Um, yeah. And again, that goes off of what we were just talking about. But those things are just really, really damaging. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, OK, so our last question then is what's something you wish you could tell your past self when you're struggling with an eating disorder? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I wish I could go back and tell myself to talk to more people about it and seek support from those around me and understand that they will not judge me. And this is admittedly something that I still struggle with. I still struggle with vulnerability. In fact, this this right here is the first time that I've even opened up about this, um, about especially OCD, unless it's been to that friend that I was talking about earlier, my, my mom and my roommate. 
So Mm -hmm. it's just vulnerability is still something I really struggle with, but even practicing a little bit of vulnerability at a time has helped me a ton. And, And I recently joined a coaching program called the Health and Wealth Academy. And I have this fantastic support group, a personal coach who helps educate me on nutrition and shape my mindset about what's normal and what's okay for my body. But at the time, I thought that if my friends knew that I had these imperfections and mental health problems, that they would no longer want to associate with me or want to be influenced by me. And that's absolutely not the case. Like, for the longest time, it was like, why would my friends want to know about this? It's like so, so sad. And so like, like, I thought it was so pitiful. Um, but that is just really not the case. And I wish I could just go back, give my my past self a hug and be like, well, if you can start practicing that vulnerability with yourself and, start, you know, maybe sit down for a second, think about everything that's going on and say, hey, this is the situation. This is okay. And I'm going to allow myself to sit in these emotions and sit in this situation. And um, you don't have to open up to people about that right away. um, But you can start that with yourself and then it'll get easier to do that with others. Yeah, that's so important. And again, I really appreciate you sharing your experience with us. Um, Us again, like multiple people. But (laughs) I feel like, yeah, that's important for mental health in general sharing. And I feel like as a society, we need to do better um, creating an environment where people feel like they can share because we'll talk about this a little bit later. But I feel like a common thing with eating disorders, especially it's really hard because people don't really understand them. And so they're like, oh, like just eat, like just, you know, like get a sandwich or something. But it's so hard to do that. Like when you're struggling with an eating disorder and like even like when you're struggling with like body dysmorphia and like orthorexia disordered eating and stuff like it's not just the act of like going into the kitchen like getting a snack when you're hungry it's like there's like a whole like mental battle you have to go through before that like okay like how many calories have I eaten today like have I exercised today and just like all that stuff like that so yes it's tough and when it surrounds food it's really difficult because for most people it's so commonplace like you said it's just oh just run to the kitchen like i how is that difficult? Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard when it's something that is just so commonplace. Yeah. And one thing I feel like I've like really benefited from, like I have never been diagnosed with an eating disorder or anything, but I like my first year and second year, and honestly now a little bit, like I have like really disordered eating habits. But like one thing that's helped me is like my friends, like who don't have these habits, like them just like thinking out loud and being like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get a snack. is like super helpful because I'm like, wait, like, that's something that I can do. Like, if I'm hungry, like, then I should eat. Like, I shouldn't have to, like, think about all this stuff beforehand. Um, yeah. But, yeah, go into that a little later. All right. So now we are transitioning into the advice portion of the podcast. And, again, just a disclaimer, we are in no way trained professionals, and these are our own opinions based on personal experience and research. So take everything we say with a grain of salt. So, Anna, I will turn it over to you for the first point. Yeah. So first I'll be talking about how to help a friend struggling with an eating disorder. Um, and then this is in court, uh, according to uh, NEDA. So first off, learn as much as you can about eating disorders. Learn about the triggers, the symptoms, the difference between facts and myths and misconceptions about weight, nutrition, and exercise. And I would recommend setting aside time to have a private conversation with your friend in a place where there's no distractions. Um, and also recommend using I statements instead of saying something like, well, you don't eat anymore and go to the gym too, you go to the gym too much. Um, practice saying, I've noticed that you've been going to the gym a lot recently and don't eat with us anymore. And then also help get rid of the stigma. 
make sure that your loved one doesn't feel judged or embarrassed. There's never any shame in admitting that they're struggling with an eating disorder. So like Justine said earlier, just even small things like, hey, I'm hungry. I'm going to go grab a snack. Um, I'm going to go grab some some popcorn, whatever your favorite snack is. Things like that do help to to normalize, just normalize those behaviors and also just making sure that your friend um, doesn't feel like there's any negative energy around sharing what what is going on uh, with them. Um, also, seeking professional help. Um, there's the NEDA helpline, um, eatingdisorderhope.com, the National Association of Anorexia, Nervosa, and Associated Disorders. Um, and you can ask your friend if they want help finding resources or help making an appointment. Um, and also encourage them to talk with a therapist. Even if the first one that they go to isn't the perfect match, that doesn't mean that therapy is just not for them. Um, it just means that maybe that first therapist they went to wasn't the perfect person to help that individual. Um, so even if they say like, well, I've already tried this, it didn't work. Maybe letting them know that there are other therapists that they could reach out to um, can can be really helpful. And also if you are someone that has sought out therapy before, let them know that to also normalize going to therapy um, and, and seeking professional help. So definitely share that experience with them. Um, and that's going to make them feel more comfortable to go out and seek that help themselves. Um, and also encourage them to get a, a medical checkup. Eating disorders can cause many medical issues. Um, um, so definitely encourage them to just seek out help for themselves. Um, and also last couple of points here, be assertive, but not combative. Because it can be hard since loved ones often might resist seeking treatment at first and make up excuses to not call or not go. Um, but you don't want to ignore a potential deadly illness. So uh, make sure that you show your friend or family member that you love and care for them and want to see them through their recovery and um, offer that support that you'll be there throughout the recovery with them. Um, and then lastly, this is super, super important. This is an important point for the person that's seeking to help a friend with their eating disorder. Remember that you're not in control of your loved one's recovery. It is up to them to begin that journey. So don't put that stress, don't put any of that weight on yourself to feel like you are somehow responsible for that person um, and their recovery. The next two pieces of advice that can be more specific to people struggling with eating disorders right now. So if you are struggling with an eating disorder and um, decide to seek treatment, first of all, so proud of you. Like that's a very brave thing to do. Um, and I feel like seeking treatment is honestly like the hardest portion. But according to the American Psychiatric Association, like here's some questions that you can ask your doctors when you're starting treatment for anorexia. So the first one is what are your average weight rates of weight? <laughs> What are your average rates of weekly weight gain and what percentage of your patients reach full weight restoration? Um, another one is what is the target weight that you use and how do you establish it? What types of therapy do you offer? How are families involved in treatment? What are the credentials and training of your staff? And what medical services do you provide and how do you manage medical complications or co-occurring psychiatric conditions? Um, the next piece of advice is just kind of like what to expect when you um, start eating disorder treatment, and this is according to the National Eating Disorders Association. So treating an eating disorder generally involves a combination of psychological and nutritional counseling along with medical and psychiatric monitoring. Treatment must address the eating disorder symptoms and medical consequences as well as psychological, biological, interpersonal, and cultural forces that contribute, contribute to or maintain the eating disorder. And then here's what not to say with someone who is struggling with food, struggling with an eating disorder. Um, 
don't comment about their portion sizes. Don't say things like, oh, is that all you're eating? Or are you going to eat all of that? And while these can seem to someone who's not struggling with an eating disorder pretty innocent and not meaning to be hurtful at all, Again, we talked about some of those like unconscious triggers that can definitely be one of them because people feel really um, self-conscious. And for someone struggling with an eating disorder, their portion sizes can be an act of bravery. Exactly. And another thing to not like talk about with someone struggling with an eating disorder or just food in general is talk about how little you're eating. Like comments like I haven't eaten all day or like I'm not eating carbs anymore since they're bad for you even though no food is bad food is really triggering for someone struggling with food because that will lead to them comparing their food intake to yours and being like should I not have eaten today like this person like am I eating too much and that just like can lead down like a spiral of either like starving themselves or purging. Yeah, that is so huge. And also um, avoid talking about calories, like saying things like imagine how many calories this has or wow, this has X amount of calories in it. Just because the food is high in calories does not mean it's quote unquote bad for you um, or anything like that, because restricting food is never good. You know, fuel equals food equals fuel. And actually, that was something that helped me a ton, just kind of making that mental switch food equals fuel. Um, And so attaching just like caloric numbers to everything is just never really helpful. Um, And then also saying things like, it's just food, like stop worrying about it is not helpful at all to tell someone. Don't tell people to just stop worrying. Um, It's like telling someone who's, who broke their leg, oh, just like walk on it or just like (laughs) make your leg feel better. Um, So People with eating disorders, food plays a huge role in their lives and acts as a stressor. Um, Like, would you tell someone who's grieving the loss of a loved one to just stop thinking about it? No, right? Because it unintentionally discounts someone's struggle. Exactly. And the last thing that you should avoid doing is commenting on their diet or appearance now and being like, you look so healthy now or like, you look good now that like you've lost a lot of weight. And I think that just society in general should just stop giving conditional compliments like this and especially towards like people struggling with food this may be praising disordered eating habits and behavior so something that like we should all work on is just like giving affirmations to people like no need to say like you look good for a blank or like now that you blank like you look good like all you need is you look good you look great just stuff like that um and this one hits especially close to home for me because over the summer, someone that was like really close to me was like, oh, like you lost a lot of weight. Like you look really good. And this was supposed to be a compliment, but it honestly like made my disordered eating habits worse because I was like, oh, she like thinks I look good, but it's like because I lost a lot of weight. So now I need to like really maintain like what I'm doing or maybe eat less because like I'll look better if I do that. And it's just like not great again, unhealthy spiral. All right. So that is all the advice we have for today. And I know that body image is a really prevalent issue on college campuses um, for girls and guys. So I'll have an entire episode on more general body image issues later um, because it's definitely been something I've been struggling with recently. So I need to be in a better headspace (laughs) to discuss that. But we will be ending off with some body image affirmations according we got these from I don't even know how to say that at sa.liine on Instagram so shout out to you girl (laughs) good (laughs) 
Okay, this is why this is why instead of using my entire 14 letter last name in my handle, I just made up a middle name for myself and put that in my handle. So turns out I'm a fraud. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anna was telling me her last name because I like wanted to introduce her with that. And then I was just like, you know what? I don't think I can do this. <laughs> Sometimes I joke with people. I'm just like, yeah, it's pronounced T. All the other letters are silent. And I just look at them for like four or five seconds with a dead straight face. And they look right back at me with a straight face. And they're like, oh, wait, you're kidding, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm kidding. So some, a couple of body image affirmations that someone struggling with an eating disorder can say preferably out loud to themselves. Like this can be done in the shower. This can be done like driving somewhere. Um, or if someone, if you really like to journal, this can be something that you write down in your journal. Um, these are some, a couple of things that a couple of ways that I have practiced doing body image affirmations. So you can say what others think about my body has nothing to do with me. I will no longer shame myself or others for their body. My body's perfect in its own way and doesn't need to look like anybody else yeah. does. And then a few more are, I forgive myself for taking my body for granted. My body is not here to compete with others. And I will work out because I love my body, not because I hate it. And I feel like these are so important to remember because we really need to be thankful for our bodies and just like think about like all that it does for us. Um, and I feel like our body really just gets a beating from us and just like it deserves she deserves better <laughs> she deserves better than yeah. what she gets yeah and another one that I just absolutely love is saying I I am strong so like mm-hmm. referring to my body like my body is strong mm-hmm. and that just gives me such a great appreciation for my body because you're right like it does so many amazing things and um it's so important to be appreciative of it mm-hmm. yeah all right well thank you so much Anna for coming on I really appreciate it um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for you know giving me an outlet to share. Again, you know, vulnerability is always something that I've struggled with. So I really appreciate being able to have that that outlet. I love it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome back anytime. Um, so thank you guys for listening and make sure to bring your own baggage next week. Bye. <laughs> How do I stop this?